I was encouraged this very morning, I trust you were also, as we considered this reality, that for a brief period of time, for a little while, the Lord Jesus Christ himself was made, made lower than the angels. And we'll be considering that, you will, in the mornings, uh, that passage in Hebrews chapter 2. For a little while, he was made lower than the angels. And we actually are considering some of the things that he said and did during that period of time. Considering some of the things of the Lord Jesus Christ during his earthly ministry. Our theme for the evenings is this, marked for life. Marked for life, we're asking two questions that we really want all to answer. Are you a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ? Seriously. Are you a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ? And it is a, a serious commitment. It does require a certain kind of lifestyle. You can't just say, I am, and live however you want to live. And we're going to see that together. Are you a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, number one? Number two, are you committed to making them? Are you committed to making them? This morning, nope, last night, last night we looked at an invitation that the Lord Jesus extended to us. We considered three things that he extended in this invitation, Matthew chapter 11. Be reminded of these three things. There's two blanks on your packet, fret not. I included a third because it's in there as well. These three things we saw the Lord Jesus Christ saying to those who were in desperate need because of the reality of sin. We were reminded today that uh, our hearts are desperately wicked. Who can know it? And those who recognize, realize that, the Lord Jesus says, here's what I have to offer. Come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The first offer in this invitation is to come receive salvation. Have you done so? We're going to ask you later, I promise. We're going to ask you later, what is your number? What is your number? Some of us recall our numbers from back in the day when we played on a team. We're asking you that question spiritually. What is your number? How long have you known the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior? When was that moment in time... When you pass from death to life. When the old was gone and the new had come. When you were born again. The Lord Jesus says, come here. Come unto me all who are weary and heavy laden. And I will give you this salvific rest. Come and receive salvation. Come and receive salvation. But the second thing he offers. Uh, salvation is where it starts. Where it begins. The second thing he offers is. It's the invitation to, to learn in discipleship. Discipleship is the second part of the invitation, the third being to serve in yoked harmony with the Lord. We looked at the great invitation last night, and this very evening I'd love for us to look at the great imperative. The great imperative, often known as the great command, uh, often described as the great commission, of Matthew chapter 28. And I know you might have the temptation of thinking, I've been here before. I know this passage. I know what it has to say. Uh, can, we, can we dig a little deeper, John? And may I encourage you to avoid that mindset. And I'd love for us to pray even now together that as we look at this all-important passage and do so uh, in, in quick-like fashion, that we'd appreciate anew and afresh the importance of the great command found in Matthew chapter 28. Uh, so let's pray. 
and ask our great God to help us. Our Father, we do say thank you for this time where we can, we can come together. We thank you for this place. We thank you for the commitment of Lake Geneva Youth Camp and Conference Center to provide an atmosphere, an environment where people can come to, to know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior and, and follow Him fully. And so we pray even this week that, that decisions would be made by all of us, spiritual decisions, uh, to deepen our faith in our walks uh, with your Son, our, our Savior. Father, we ask that you take away distractions. Wake us up if we're tired. Teach us whatever it is you want us to learn. May the Holy Spirit do His work. May He illuminate your truth where it's plain and makes clear sense. And may we respond to it appropriately, we would ask. We pray that as we look at this familiar passage, uh, we would learn something new. We'd be challenged, encouraged, convicted, uh, as necessary and needed tonight. Uh, we sure pray these things in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 28, 19 and uh, following, 18 and following, uh, an important section. Eleven folks were gathered with the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the end of his earthly ministry. He's about to leave uh, this little while, this short period of time where he was made a little lower than the angels is coming, uh, coming to an end. And he has some important things to say to the eleven who were gathered at this particular uh, time of ministry. And he, and he says it this way. He begins by, by claiming all authority, and rightfully so. Verse 18 of Matthew chapter 28. And Jesus came up, another mountain ministry. Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, All authority, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. We're going to look at this great commission, the great command, this imperative found in Matthew chapter 28, and we're going to try to highlight seven things, seven things, uh, seven key words that will help us appreciate anew and afresh this command, this command for the eleven and by way of application, no doubt, for us as well. He begins by making it clear that this uh, imperative is, is universal. Number one, it's universal. Can you imagine the Lord Jesus saying, to the eleven who needed to hear it, as do we, that all authority, all of it, all authority in heaven and on earth. There's a great book entitled In Search of the Great Commission, written by a gentleman named Banks. Banks is the last name. Uh, a great word study of the commission accounts found in the Gospels. And, and describes this reality of, of all authority, all of it. The Lord Jesus saying and claiming, I have been given that. It's universal in scope, in power. You remember the little slogan that sometimes were sung uh, at athletic events? I've got the power. Some of you remember that. The Lord Jesus makes that claim. And it's absolutely true. It's universal, this great commission, this great command. All authority in heaven and on earth, the Lord Jesus says, has been given to me. There's an interesting thing not mentioned, not mentioned, and I'm not adding to you, but, but know that what happens next is the reality of this being very personal. Secondly, it's personal. Number one, it's universal in scope and power. All authority has been given to me. And then the Lord Jesus says to the eleven, it is your turn now. 
This commission, this command, this imperative is given to them and it's given to us as well. And there's a, a personal response to what the Lord Jesus is instructing. I have all, all authority and power, the Lord Jesus says. It's universal in its scope and its breadth. But there's also a personal response that is necessary. It's as if he's communicating and saying to the eleven, it's your turn now. You go do this. You, personally, individually. The second word is personal, if you're tracking and wanting to fill in the blanks. Number one, it's universal. Number two, it, it's personal. Their responsibility to respond to this great command, our responsibility to respond to the great command as well. What are we commanded to do here? Think about it. What is, the, what is the one command of this passage that was given to the eleven and is given to us as well? It's surrounded by participial phrases, three of them. But there's one command that is given in, in the, uh, this all-important passage. Some will include the word go in this one command, but at the heart of the imperative is, is these words. Make disciples. Make disciples. It's personal. These eleven were individually supposed to respond to this imperative. And guess what? So are we. We're asking this all-important question. These questions. Are you a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ? And are you secondly committed to making them? It's a command. It's an imperative. It's what the Lord Jesus said to the eleven before He left the planet. That little while, while He was made a little lower than the angels, He leaves this all-important command and He begins by saying, Fret not, all authority, universal in scope and power has been given to Me. You personally, individually, get after it. Go in and make disciples, he says. Go therefore in and make disciples of all the nations. It's international, thirdly. It's international. Uh, across the street and around the world. Uh, the participial phrases that are mentioned, the, the participles in this section are the word go or going while you're obeying the one command, the one imperative to make disciples. You will be going and you will be baptizing and you will be teaching. These things should be happening while you're obeying the one command to make disciples. You go therefore personally, individually committed to obeying the one command and do it where you're living across the street and around the world. It's, it's international, thirdly. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It's, it's confessional. I was at Camp Hope. I shared this with you uh, the week before last and had the privilege of baptizing two kids at camp. As we went through this passage, I said to them what I'm going to say to you as well. If you are a Christian, if you are a believer, if you're someone who has said, you know what, I want 
to respond to the Lord Jesus and, and receive this salvation that He offers, this rest. I recognize my sin problem and my need for a Savior, and I want to I receive the free gift. Once you've done that, there's a life of obedience that should follow, and one of the key parts of that life of obedience is baptism. Baptism. What happens when someone is being baptized? What is the point? Nothing mystical, magical takes place when they go under the water. But there is a, there is a declaration that occurs, isn't there? I shared with these two that were being baptized and all who were in the audience then and now that, that baptism really conveys uh, several things. Number one, it conveys obedience. It conveys obedience. I want people to know that I am a Christian. I want people to know that I already have passed from death unto life. And I want to give you a great picture of that through baptism. I want to confess it. It's confessional. I want everybody to know I belong to Him. It's also a declaration of obedience. Not only do I want you to know I've trusted in Him, but I want to follow Him. And as you're watching and as you're witnessing my public declaration and identification with the person of Christ and who He is and what He's done, I want you to know I'm proclaiming that I want to obey Him. I love, I love Christian weddings, don't you? I love going to Christian weddings where a bride and groom are saying to folks, I want everybody to know, we want everybody to know we want to do life God's way. I love baptisms for the same reason. I started to add to wedding ceremonies this reality, where the congregation that has gathered uh, to witness the ceremony, that they too say, I will, at the appropriate moment in time. That the congregation says, you know what, I will pray for, I will help hold accountable, I will encourage this couple that is saying, I want you all, we want you all to know that we know Him and we want to obey Him in Christian marriage. The same is true for baptism. When someone is getting baptized, not only are they obeying, not only are they saying, I want you to know I'm a believer, they also are saying, would you please pray for and encourage and help and support me in my desire to know Him and follow hard after Him. Baptism is a beautiful thing. The disciples, the originals, were being instructed by the Savior here, and He was saying to them, listen, all authority, it's universal in scope and power, has been given to me. So you, personally, individually, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. Do it everywhere, internationally, across the street and around the world, realizing that while you're obeying the one command, here's what you ought to be doing. This ought to be taking place that, that people will be getting baptized. And when they do that, it's confessional. Number four, by the way, if you're tracking. It's confessional. They're saying that they indeed belong to Him. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The story is told of this young girl who wanted everybody who was watching her baptism to understand what was being pictured. The object lesson of water baptism, which displays publicly what happened in spirit baptism whenever that person became born again, often years ago. 
doesn't have to be that, but often that is the case. And this young girl said to the person baptizing her, listen, I want you to hold me under the water until I can breathe no more. And I'll squeeze your hand when I'm ready to come up. And so he says, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and puts her under immersion, complete, total, identifying with what? Death. Five seconds go by. Ten seconds go by. Twenty seconds go by. Thirty seconds go by. Thirty-five seconds go by. And people were doing what some of you are doing right now with your facial expression. Oh no! Too much time is going by. This young girl holds her breath until she can hold it no longer. And up she comes. And what does she do? As soon as she gets out of the water. She takes a big breath. Like some of you just did. And some of those who are watching did. And what a wonderful picture of what had already occurred. Amen? The old is gone. The new has come. That happened the moment she trusted in Christ. But at that moment of baptism, she wanted to tell everybody. I want you to know I'm confessing that I belong to Him. I'm a believer. I want to obey Him, and I want you to help me with that as I seek to follow Him. Baptism is confessional. The text goes on to say this, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them, here's another one of those participial phrases, Teaching them while the disciples were obeying the one command, they were to be going. And as they were going, they were to be baptizing. And as they were baptizing, they were to be teaching them. Teaching them what? Any ideas? What in the wide world of sports were they supposed to be teaching them? It's not a trick question. What does it say? Everything that I just taught you, the Lord Jesus says. All that I have commanded you. Do you see it? Teaching them to, uh, to observe all that I commanded you. There's a responsibility here. There's a responsibility for us to take the information we learn and we're supposed to share it with somebody else. You knew that, right? It shouldn't be that we're just gathering knowledge for the sake of gathering knowledge and we're learning more in our progressive sanctification. There's this, there's this idea, and we'll get into this as we define the word uh, even as we begin so now. There's this idea of impartation. Would you say that one with me? Impartation. That has to happen in order for discipleship to occur. Impartation has to take place. Where the information that, that someone has taught us is extended and imparted to somebody else. And the Lord Jesus says this. It's, it's fifthly, if you will. It's informational. It's informational. If we took the time, we won't, but if we took the time to go to Luke chapter 6, verse 40, it would emphasize this key and important phrase. It would say the word, fully trained. Fully trained. The idea for the disciples was to indeed take all the information that the Lord Jesus was giving to them to become fully trained so they could take that same information and impart it to somebody else. Impart it to somebody else. That's how it's supposed to happen. The things that you're learning this week, hopefully you learned something. 
I know you will in the morning sessions, hopefully in the evenings. I'll be with the teens. We're looking at the book of Jude together. Hey, Jude, we're going to look at it together. The things that we learned this week, we're supposed to share those with others. Impartation is a key part, a key word in defining the word disciple. Teaching them, informational. Teaching them to do what? To observe, to obey, to do exactly what it is that they are being told to do. Not only is the, the, great, in, the great commission the great imperative, the great command, not only does it include the reality of being informational, it's also this. It's transformational. Transformational. What happens, friends, when we learn what the Word of God has to say? What happens when we, when we hide it in our hearts? What happens when we, when we memorize the Word of God? What happens when we uh, study to show ourselves approved unto God? Workmen who need it not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. What happens when we, we take this book and, and do what it says? What happens? Isn't it true that our lives change? What did the Lord Jesus Christ pray in John 17 in regards to our sanctification? How did He communicate as He was talking to the Father on our behalf... How did he communicate that, that our sanctification would actually take place? That we would progressively become more and more like Christ until we were with Christ? How does that happen? Sanctify them through what? Truth. Thy word is what? Truth. And so when we study this book and we're committed to it, when we study this book and when we get into it in the detail and, and not just uh, bank on five or ten minutes a day, but we are meditating on it day in and day out and memorizing, when we learn it and allow it to do what it does, our lives are changed. Some of you remember me back in the day when, when I was a kid at, at Lombard Gospel Chapel. And there were days... Uh, uh, in my childhood that I would love to take back in my uh, high school and college career as well where, where I wasn't allowing the Word of God to do its work in my mind and heart and I wasn't growing the way I should and ought to. But when we take our commitment to the Word seriously and we learn it and live it, we are transformed. We are changed. Teaching them, that's informational, fifthly, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And when they observe all that is commanded, number six, there's, there's transformation that occurs. If we had the time, if we, if we had the time, we don't. We could turn to Matthew chapter 10. And there's another key phrase and concept that has to do with the, the defining of the word disciple, and it's this, to become like or to become as. Remember in Luke 6, it was the idea of to be fully trained, impartation. In Matthew chapter 10, it's this idea of imitation, to become like or to become as. 
And so when we're asking and answering these questions together this week, am I a disciple of Christ and am I, am I committed to making disciples? Realize this, that when we think about the word disciple, it has to include both these things. Impartation and imitation. Not one or the other. It has to be both. To become fully trained and to become like, to become as. Information, learning the truth, but transformation as we obey the truth, as we imitate the one who said, here's the truth anyway. Impartation, Luke 6.40, to be fully trained. Imitation, Matthew 10, verse 24, to become like or to become as. Imitation. Those two things have to be happening simultaneously if we are going to be disciples and make disciples. The Great Commission, the Great Command, the Great Imperative of Matthew 28. Be reminded, it's universal in scope and power, all authority. It's personal, individually, the eleven were to respond, and so are we. It's personal. Thirdly, it's international, across the street and around the world, we are to be doing these things. These participial phrases as we're obeying the one command to make disciples. It's international. It's confessional. Baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's informational. All the things they learned, they were to teach those that they were uh, ministering to and sharing the good news, even though you don't see that in this account. That's part of all that I have taught you. They witnessed it. They experienced it, and they were sharing the good news as well. It's transformational. Teaching them to observe all that I command you. And when we do that, our lives are changed. And then he says this, uh, I, I'm with you. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Has that happened yet? Not a good question. Hasn't happened yet. And so there's this, there's this, uh, the bookends of promises in the great command and the great commission. It begins with this reality of, of the fact that it, all authority, there's help available. All authority in heaven and earth, Jesus says, has been given to me. It's universal. He concludes it by saying, you know what, I'm going to be with you. Oh, I'm with you always, even to the end of the way, age. And so number seven, it doesn't flow, but it's, it's number seven regardless. It's possible. It's possible. All authority, it begins with, and, and there's this presence that is a reality as well. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The great command, the great commission. I wonder this, my friends. Do you think when the disciples, the original, the eleven who remained at this juncture in this passage, uh, during this little while, while he was made a little lower than the angels. Do you think the, the eleven said to the Lord Jesus, Hold up a minute before you go, one more time. What's a disciple? Do you think they said that? Do you think they were just completely in the dark about this command that they were just given in this, this all-important passage? Surely they, they, they had disciples' disease which we see all throughout the Gospels, where all the things that seem obvious to, to us 
didn't seem so obvious to them, but they did have a lot of the pieces of the puzzle put together, and they were with him, weren't they? They were with him for this, this special ministry where he spent time with them, discipling them, if you will. There's a verse on the second page. You can turn there if you want. You don't have to, but just in case you wondered, it's there. There's a verse that, that, that summarizes a bit philosophically uh, of what the Lord did with the originals. Mark 3.14. Perhaps you've seen this in Leroy Imes' book entitled The Lost Art of Disciple Making. It's in most good books on discipleship. This idea of, of Mark 3.14. He chose the twelve. He chose the twelve. Selection. In order that he might be with them association that he might send them forth to preach delegation I wanted you to have the three words because I know how some of you roll you want to fill in the blank so there they are selection he chose the twelve association in order that he might be with them don't you wish we knew more about the association stage when the Lord Jesus uh, practically and perfectly imparted truth, Im impartation took place, and they responded to truth, imitation took place, discipleship was taking place. Don't you wish we had more of that? While he was with them, he said things like this, if you want to come after me, if you want to be worthy of me, if you want to be my disciple, I have to see this. You must do this. This needs to be seen. This needs to be evidenced. This needs to be lived out, not perfectly, but consistently in an ongoing fashion. He says it that way. And he even says this. Here's what life will look like if you do these things. Here's the reward. Here's the payoff. Here's the result of you doing what I, I told you to do. And so for, for the duration, we're going we're gonna to look at these marks, seven of them, where the Lord Jesus Christ shares with us from His Word, where we see from His Word what the Lord Jesus shared with the originals. During that association stage, after He chose the twelve, and what He shared with them while He was with them, and they then were sent out to preach delegation. Last night I gave you some homework. I gave you some homework and I want you to respond quickly. I can see the clock tonight, so quickly. Last night I gave you some homework and I asked you this question. Who is the uh, individual or who are the individuals who impacted your life the most spiritually? Who are they and, and how did they go about doing that? How did they leave such a mark? How did they impact you in such a way? So for a brief moment or two. Uh, let's have some responses to that exercise. Who were those folks? Who are those folks? Who are the people that impacted your life the most spiritually and more importantly for our exercise? How did they do that? What is it that they did that left such an impact? It's your turn now. Quickly. And use your, uh, your outside voice your hearing aid voice, whatever the case might be. Speak up. I try to do the same. Dan, bring it. Dick Sanders. Some of us know Dick Sanders. What did he do? How did he do it? 
taught the truth directly from the Word of God, and he shows up. He demonstrated, showed love. He showed up too, showed love. He taught the Word, and he showed and demonstrated love. Thank you, Dan. Others, please. Who are they? And how did they go about doing it? Love that. We've already begun a pattern, friends. Two individuals who, who started a Bible study uh, with individuals, and they, they got in the Word together. I remember Vi Wright. She could cook like no other. We used to go to her house when my daddy would preach. Come on. We still make her potato salad. I'm digressing. I'm sorry. Who else is on the list? Who impacted your lives, your lives the most spiritually, and how'd they do that? Please. Yep. John Small and Chuck Redfield. Some of you know those names. So the word, once again, is being emphasized in this idea of, of discipline, holy habits, uh, uh, the spiritual di disciplines of the Christian life. Others, quickly, quickly, please. Grandparents. Anybody thought of family members on this one? Hello. It's the ideal place for discipleship to occur. Grandparents, any further comment? I do want to cut you off. I love that. The, the, the key word, and when I, when I have a semester, by the way, to go through this subject matter, biblical discipleship, we'll jot down all these observations, and there'll be common themes, and we're already seeing them. Time in the Word, time in the Word, time in the Word, time in the Word. Example, living out, living out what uh, they preach, if you will. Do you notice these things? Impartation and imitation, they're happening. That makes a disciple, by the way. Both are necessary. It can't be one or the other. Others, quickly. Please. Helen Demick. I miss sweet Helen. No doubt. Read, invited, started a Bible study intentionally, purposely. There's Vicki. Say that again. I thought you said that when you were at Emmaus. Can we just pause there for a moment? I'm with you. Come on. Stop it right now. Love that. I love that. If we were in 1 Peter, we're not. But if we were in 1 Peter chapter 4, we'd see this great summary of what the Christian life is all about. And there it says that we are to love deeply and, and share willingly and serve faithfully. And those things were demonstrated. Demonstrated by three families. Three families who were living it. Anybody else? Please. Your wife. Again, the home front is where these things happen. Examples, evidences, the how. I love that. And that's the whole idea of discipleship. It's the learning and the living. So here's the most intimate of relationships, husband and wife, spouses, 
And as they deal with the heartaches of life, and there will be plenty, we can count on that. We talk to one another and say, how can we respond to this in light of what the Word says? Ah, I love that. Sorry for getting excited. I'm really not sorry. You're going to make it through this tough time. Keep. Yeah. Relationship is a key part of this reality. Let me say, as we are wrapping it up, discipleship is not cookie cutter. It doesn't take a place in only one kind of setting. It takes place in a variety of settings. There are key things that have to take place in all those settings, and you've evidenced that tonight. There needs to be learning and living. Here's our working definition for the word disciple. It's on the uh, page two in the back as well, uh, and it's this. A disciple is a, a student or learner of the life and teachings of Jesus Christ who not only learns what he thought, but who lives what he taught. Do you have it? One more time. A disciple is a, a student or learner of the life and teachings of Jesus Christ who not only learns what he thought, but who lives what he taught. It's not one or the other, it's both. Impartation and imitation. Learning and living. Jesus says, I've got this great invitation for you. I offer salvation, I offer discipleship, and I offer service in your harmony with me. And I have this command I leave with you. Make disciples. And as you're making disciples, you will be going and you will be baptizing, and you will be teaching. These things are a reality and are true. What does it look like then to be a learner and liver of what Christ thought and taught? So we'll look at seven marks from here on out as we answer the first question. Am I a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ? Thinking about the second question, am I committed to making them as well? Father, we thank you for our time tonight. We thank you for the earthly ministry of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who for a little while was made a little lower. And while he was in such a state, he left for us an example that we should walk in his steps. He came with a purpose to fulfill the required sacrifice for our sin. We thank you for the gift of your Son, and we thank you for the ministry that he demonstrated while he was on the planet. Things that we can purpose to, to live out as well as we seek to be uh, learners and livers of what Christ thought and taught. So help us, Father, to, uh, to be disciples and make disciples. Help us to think about those who have impacted our lives in a significant way, and may we purpose to remember those who led us, who spoke the word of God to us, and considering the result of their conduct, help us to imitate their faith, where true discipleship indeed takes place. We ask and pray in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen.